Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, everybody, it is the third episode of the Chiesa de Tati podcast that we call Across the Romaverse. Um, today is obviously going to be all about the transfer market the deadline. The window just closed about three hours ago. Um, if you were following on the site or following me on Twitter, you know we were on it. It was um, quite a chaotic deadline. Uh, so before, I'm also joined again by Steve and Sean. Um, Steve and Sean, how was your deadline day, Sean? Uh it was worse my birthday today, so I spent most of it eating and getting text messages. Wait, you not said about your, transfers. You said it was your birthday? Yeah, today. Oh, well, happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 didn't, I, didn't, I didn't spend much uh, time talking about football, so I'm just catching up last minute. Yeah, I, I hope you weren't um, watching Twitter like I was all day. <laughs> uh, Steve, how was your deadline day? Well, first, happy birthday, Sean. Um, so today was I'm a teacher, my first day back in the building. No kids yet. We were still teaching remotely, so I was trying to keep up as best I could on Twitter and my little breaks ahead or under the table when I <laughs> out of camera view. But uh, yeah, it was certainly eventful trying to keep up with it while back at work. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Uh, okay, so before we dive into it, let's just give a quick rundown of Roma's business. Um, if we had some fancy sound effects right now, we might be playing them. Um, so incoming transfers, uh, pretty slim compared to summers past. I remember Monchi's first summer, I think he had like 12 signings before the market was even officially open. Um, so we will start off with Pedro, who was obviously a free transfer that was completed on August 25th. Pedro came from Chelsea and he's already hit the ground running playing in every match so far, I believe. Uh, after that, we had Marash Kambula. Um, he likes to be called Max. So we'll go with that. We got Max from Hellas Verona for... Uh, it's been a complicated deal where he's coming on a two-year loan and Roma are sending three players the other way. Um, but worst case scenario is going to cost about $17 million. Uh, so 13 and a half once all the two-year loans are up and a potential three and a half in bonuses. Uh, so we've seen Kambula twice so far. Um, last week signing Borja Mayoral, um, the backup forward, we think, although I wouldn't be shocked if he carves out a role of his own. But he came uh, also on a two-year loan, I believe. Yep. Um, from Real Madrid. So in the summer of 2021, they can buy him outright for $15 million, Or if they wait till the summer of 2022, it'll cost them $20 million. Um, he just signed, made the trip uh, with the team. Wait, was last week's game at home? I can't No, it was Udinese. So yeah, he was there. Yeah, he was there with the team, didn't play, obviously, but he was there to sort of get to know his friends. 
And then today's uh, blockbuster signing that has been underway since March. Uh, there was a lot of back and forth today. At some points it was on, some points it was off. And then the, it seems like they wrapped up like 20 minutes to go. And then literally like around maybe 1.59 East Coast time, like one minute left in the transfer window, there was all this talk about certain uh, pieces of paperwork that maybe hadn't got registered with the league yet because Smalling was an international transfer. Apparently there's more um, T's you got to cross and I's you got to dot to wrap that up. So those were Roma's only incoming signings for the transfer window. In terms of outgoing, uh, quite a big list here already. So we had Patrick Schick going to Bayer Leverkusen for $26.5 million. That's a permanent transfer. Uh, we had former captain Alessandro Florenzi to PSG. Uh, that is a season-long loan uh, with an option to buy. No one's quite sure what it is, but it was rumored to be about 9 million euros. Um, our other fullback, Alexander Kolarov, went to Inter Milan on a $1.5 million permanent transfer. Uh, then we had the Primavera stud, Alessio Riccardi, went to Pescara. That is a loan with an option to buy, but Roma do retain buyback rights. Then we had Cengiz Under, went to Leicester City, and that was initially a season-long loan with a mandatory buy option, but apparently it has become an option. Uh, and again, the actual terms are not disclosed, so we may have to see how that goes. Um, we had Mirko Antonucci, Roma's young winger, went to um, Salernitana. How was the pronunciation on that, Sean? Salernitana. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was gonna, I was gonna let you off the hook, but Steve is not. Gonna Give it to me one more time, Steve. Salernitana. Salernitana. Okay. Well, either way, Mirko's on another loan. Last year he was in Portugal, I believe, right? Yep. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with him. Uh, another player heading to the Portuguese league was Daniel Fusado. Went to Gil Vicente. Uh, that was over the summer. Um, season-long loan. So far, he has not played. Uh, and then we had Mert Chetin, who went to Hellas Verona. That was initially a loan um, with an option to buy with Roman retaining a buyback, but the Kambula deal might have uh, made that more complicated. I think essentially he's a Verona player. We probably won't see him again. Um, another Primavera transfer with David Bua went to Cosenza on a season-long loan. And then today's um, somewhat surprising deals, we had Justin Cliver went to Leipzig on a season-long loan. And then we had Diego Diego Parati to Fenerbahce on a permanent transfer of which the terms were not disclosed. Um, so pretty busy. They saved a lot of it for the last minute. Um, so let's talk about the transfer, the ordeal that's on everyone's mind and has been since like March, Chris Smalling. So it went through. Um, Sean just told me off air that it is about 15 million flat. We thought maybe it was 15 plus five. Um, as we all know, United was holding firm in their 20 million, um, the same amount they wanted back in March. Uh, but we finally came through. Um, so, Sean, you are closest proximally to Chris Smalling. So what do you think? Why did this take so long? Why did it take so long? What's, I, your, what's your estimation? Who would you blame for this taking so long? Who's at fault? I, I, I would blame Manchester United. I'm, I'm trying yeah. to be objective as I, as I can about that. But it was... <laughs> We don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I blame them because it was obvious that Smalling wanted to leave. Even on the final days up to deadline, even the most brash United fan that was insisting that Roma should just pay up or nothing was saying that Smalling should just want uh, just wants to leave, just let him go. Uh, United have, have even missed out, if you believe the British press, on some of their own, own targets because... They needed to raise money to to balance out their numbers, and and they could have just gotten that from Chris Morning. Um, in the end, 
Roma got their way. They paid 15 million total. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a reason behind that. It's not just about getting one up on, on Man United. It's because if Smalling had been signed at 20 million on a three year contract, which he's, he's been signed on, uh, that would have effectively made him the, probably the most expensive player at the club in terms of annual expenditure. As, as it happens at just, at just 15, it, it saves him from being more expensive than Jekyll, maybe more, maybe less expensive than Javier Pastore as well. We don't, we don't quite know yet. I have to look at the numbers, but, uh, he's, either way, he's, he's minimum third most expensive player at the club right now, but, uh, they, they stopped, Roma stopped him from being more so. Do you think um, after seeing Harry Maguire try to tackle his own teammate in the box yesterday, they had any second thoughts about keeping Smalling? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure United probably would have wanted to keep him, ideally. But he, he made it plain from months back that he, he only had one club in mind. <laughs> Did you see that play, though, that I'm talking about? No, I didn't. I didn't. Oh, okay. but I, <laughs> yeah. But it, it explains a lot of, of Maguire comments I've been seeing recently. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like a, a loose ball in the box, and he was trying to get, and he had his hand on one of his teammates and yanked him down. It was, it's still, <laughs> for me, as someone who, when I came into football in the early 2000s, United was United, like the biggest team in the world. It seems so strange to me still that they're struggling. That they are where they are now. Yeah, yeah it's very strange. Yeah. Uh, Steve, what about you? How do you, what's your take on the so smalling thing? Do you think is any one party more to blame than the other? Um. I mean, I think in the end that it took so long to get over the line has to be a little more on United side. Knowing the player wanted to leave, usually the player's say has a lot to do with that, especially when it's been a guy like Smalling who's had, you know, 10-plus years of service to a club. He's been a loyal servant, and usually a club yeah. will, you know, cede to their wishes a bit, especially when they're out of the picture. Um, obviously, part of his Roma being a little stingy with the money because they don't have the money to spend, and, you know, they were adamant at 15. United, I guess, according to reports, was at 20, and it took a while. And I guess United finally got to the point where, okay, we're not going to get the 20. We might as well cash in on the 15 because this guy wants out. Um, so I, I guess in that regard, you would say United. But, you know, for two clubs to be going back and forth for six months or so to over 5 million euros seems a bit petty that they couldn't maybe meet in the middle or something. But, I mean, in the end, if it's 15 flat, I think it's a good deal for Roma. Um, because if he performs the way he did last season, the next couple seasons, then – you know, their defense looks pretty solid, especially at center back. They have four quality center backs. And that is probably our, you know, the position that we have the Nice lead in now, uh, need rather, um, at least for the next couple of years, depending on you know, how Ibanez plays out after this season, like we talked about last episode. But I think it's a good signing in the end. Yeah, I, I think we still have Fazio, so that's technically five. Yep. And Juan Jesus is... <laughs> I did see uh, they had pictures of Mayoral his first training session. I did think I saw the back of head, the back of Jesus's head. So he's still, <laughs> he's still, he's still training. Look, um, keep, I, keep in mind that that Paolo Fonseca in his in his post match against Udinese said we can't go in the season with just three centre backs. So he, he's pretty much written off the latitude. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think Fazio could still. Uh, contribute something um yeah on the topic of smalling i did think i read quickly united's sort of goodbye to him i thought it was pretty good it was longer than a typical sort of standard press release so you can see that 10 years there was kind of a bond between them yeah um, i think i think that was sort of a thanks for right. not trashing carrington tracing uh, training ground the last few months as we've been jerking <laughs> around yeah it was it was a nice sentiment um yeah and just sort of a testament to how crazy it was i was uh 
on Twitter, on our Twitter account, just typing out sort of how sorry, how bad we felt for Smalling that he's going to end up holding the bag with nowhere really to go once the window closed. And then literally uh, someone had just said, refresh your timeline. I was like, oh, God, what happens? <laughs> uh, and then it came through. And then minutes later, it's like, oh, there might be a snafu in the paperwork. But um, thankfully, it's all done and dusted and Smalling is back. Um, so now he's officially a player. We touched on this briefly last week. Do you think, where does he fit in? Does he automatically start right in the middle of the back three? Or would you have any pause about that since Ibanez is playing so well? Steve, what do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, it is tough because he was so good last year for us. But now these three youngsters, the past few games, you know, outside of that one goal they gave up to Ronaldo have really looked solid. Um, so there is a little pause. But in the end, I think he's there to start. I think Fonseca made it very clear that he wanted him. And now there's a two-week window to get him back acclimated with the team as much as as he may need to, which is probably not much considering he's only been gone for, you know, since August, I guess. Um, but I, I think he does start, but I think like uh, Sean mentioned last episode, the interesting thing is when you start smalling in the middle, you get the solid defender, but you lose Ibanez's ball playing ability from the center of the three um, center backs, which is a little bit of a trade-off. Um, so it'd be interesting to see who moves to the bench in his stead. Um, I think there'll be some rotation. Obviously I think all three guys will play besides him. Um, but yeah, I think from Fonseca's standpoint, he's there to start. Okay. Sean, let's let's say it's like maybe there's two or three matches left and Roma are fighting for fourth place. Everything's on the line. Chips are down. Who are your starting three center backs? Oof. I mean, I, I, I think – I don't think any of us – well, I, don't, I didn't expect Roger Banias to make this an interesting question, but he has. Yeah. Uh, his, his, most, his, his, his numbers are just – unbelievable from his last two games he's taken 98 or 99 touches of the ball in the last game alone depending on who you believe I think the the record for most touches on Opta is something like 107 for one game I so, uh I think by a, a player in total but if, if oh. I'm wrong about that anyone can anyone can correct me yeah but he had 99 but, uh, a touch a minute yeah that's a yeah. lot yeah that's, his influence on this team is is huge right now. Um, so I don't know. I, it, it depends where we are on the table. If, if we're where we want to be in the top four, right, and there's three games to go, put Smalling in the middle and flank him with uh, Ibanez and Kumbula. Okay, I was going to say if we raise the stakes and it was like um, a Space Jam scenario or the, the fate of the world, <laughs> three of the four. <laughs> Oh gosh. You know, that, that's my that's my starting three. Uh I, I think uh either way Smalling is guaranteed starter because he's you know at least the third most expensive player at the club right now, if, if not the second or even maybe the most. So he's he's on the he's in the first eleven for sure. Right. Uh, I'd put I'd put him in the middle if we if we're in the top four at the end of the season, I'd put him in the middle so he could cover both sides. Um and yeah, flank it with Roger and, and Max. You know, now that I mentioned it, I'm thinking um Space Jam, why wasn't it a football movie? That's the most popular sport in the world. But I know it's Disney, but that'd be, that'd be an interesting movie too, Space Jam. But yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's, let's turn to the uh, other big transfer story of the day. So it was about uh, maybe 24 hours ago that we all sort of thought that Stefan El Shirawi was going to come back, um, ostensibly taking the place of Justin Clivert, who went to Leipzig, as we said. Um, everything seemed all set. And then sort of as the day wore on, you got the feeling that um, El Shirawi coming in sort of a hinged on Parati leaving uh, for Fenerbahce, which um, obviously did happen. 
Uh, but it sort of happened so late in the day that maybe there wasn't enough time for El Shawari, excuse me, El Shawari, uh, to return to Roma. Um, how big of a loss do you think that'll be, Steve? Uh, first, it's disappointing um, when it seemed like it was so close to done because, you know, it kind of came out of, no, you know, there was early rumors about it in the early in the market, but that just kind of seemed like the press making up stories and, you know, the guy wants to come back to Italy, but maybe Roma doesn't have a place for him. And then once the Cloyvert thing popped up, I guess it was late yesterday also, I was like, oh, this might actually happen when El Shore's name came back up. And um, with Cloyvert and Under gone and now Perotti gone, I think it's a, I think it's a pretty big loss for them not to get this over the line because you look at the players and now they are playing a three, four, two, one right now, but if they ever did want to shift to a four, two, three, one in the game in mid game or for a different opponent at some point, because we know that Fonseca likes that system and he says they're able to go both ways. Now um, there's not really many wing options. We were overloaded at the wing and now there's not really much there. There's Carlos Perez can play the wing. I guess Mkhitaryan and Pedro can play the wing too. Um, but other than that, uh, I I think it's just Zaniolo who's out until the spring, really, who's played the wing for us before. So it's disappointing. Uh, I really like El Shari. He's one of my favorite players. I was disappointed when he left. I would have loved to see him back. And I think he would have added a little more goal-scoring punch, which is what Kluivert hadn't really brought to the table. And Under the besides his first season, hadn't really brought to the table. And we know that there's a dearth of goals right now, and I thought he could have helped alleviate that a bit. So it's, I'm definitely disappointed. Yeah, nice use of dearth, too. I love that word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Sean, what do you ask you sort of the same question? Um, is this a loss not bringing in El Shirawi? And why exactly do you think this didn't come through? Why was it hinging on uh, Parati going as well? Do you think it was a financial issue or just numbers and bodies? What do you think? Uh, is it a loss? I, I don't feel as bad about it as you do, Stephen, but evidently the, the club agrees to you because if – if they didn't, they wouldn't have been in for for SES or as Shawari in the first place. Um, I I think we we have enough subs as it is. Um, I'm actually quite relieved to see a window where we're not trying to stack the bench with players that arguably won't get enough time over the season. But um, I I mean the, their plans didn't go through. That these were their plans, and and it didn't it hit a snag. I think that it was. I think they were thinking that it's, it's essential priority goals because he actually cost the club seven million, seven million a year. I mean, his, his original transfer fee was still costing the club five million a year, and he was on two. No, sorry, his, his original fee was co- costing the club two million a year, and his gross wages were five million a season. So he was, you know, he was he was a fairly expensive player. And SES on the numbers he was back in the day with Roma was a six point eight million per season player. So you know, they they really just want to get one guy's expenses off the off the bill before they sign the other one, and that's why I didn't go for Right, excellent point. Um, so let's talk about. So we only had four new signings, as we said: Smalling, Pedro, Kambula, and Mayoral. Um, so just strictly speaking, uh, for this current season, Steve, which player do you think will have the biggest impact, and why? Um, for this season only. For this season only, I think it might be – well, I, I guess now that Smalling's in, I, I guess it would have to be Smalling because I anticipate him starting every match. But I think Pedro's going to have a bigger impact than we might have suspected because of so many players that moved out that play that kind of um, 
attacking midfield position or wing position, I think he's going to also be impactful. We saw this past weekend in Rudine. Um, but I think if you have to pick one player for this season alone, I think you have to go with Smalling after what he did last season for the club. Yeah. Uh, Sean, what about you? Oh, what, everyone we signed in. Just for the signing, uh, we only had four new signings. So which one do you think had the okay. biggest impact for this current season? I, I I might contradict myself a little bit, but I think it's going to be uh, Kumbula. I, oh, I, I don't know about you guys. Does, does anyone else watch matches nowadays and, and not worry about that left side whatsoever? It just seems like all our, everyone is afraid of taking Kumbula on. It just seems like this this uh, this nice little you know money in the bank that we have on the left side, and, and it just it's it's nice to not worry about that. Yeah, you, you know, it, it's funny you mentioned that as, as I was watching the Udinese game um, last week. You didn't really hear his name called much at all by the announcers. And usually that's a, I was kind of thinking for a second, is he not playing well? They're just not going near him. But I think you might be right. Maybe they just, his reputation proceeds and they know that he's that good that they sort of avoid him because he really yeah. was not that active. Yeah. There was nothing he did that sort of stood out. But then when you, you look at his this, performance, it was flawless. There's this gangly six footer <laughs> waiting, waiting for you. And, and no one wants to take him on. And I don't, I don't blame them. I wouldn't do it either. I'm, I'm six foot five, but I wouldn't take him on. Uh, yeah, I guess for me, for this current season, I would say I think Pedro's going to have the biggest impact. Um, normally, I would agree with you, Stephen, said Smalling, but I think precisely because of how well Mancini, Kambula, and Ibanez seem to be playing together, I think the need for him uh, is somewhat less than it might have been uh, even just a month ago. Not to say that he's not going to play a lot, but I just think you're seeing through three matches that Pedro, he's just going to play him every single second, um, especially now that there's uh, – sorry, we got another weird pop-up from Zoom, um, especially now that there's not as many wing players there. So I think Pedro's uh, going to be the biggest impact. All right, uh, Steve, let's stretch it out long-term. Which of these four signings do you think is going to have the biggest impact? Who's going to make the biggest name for themselves in a Roma shirt? I think Kumbula, no question, um, long-term, especially if they keep him around for a while. Um, we, do, we never know with the club how long they're going to keep some of these younger players around, especially if they really blossom and – you know, have real value on the transfer market. But um, like you guys mentioned earlier, from the first couple of games that we've seen Kumbula, he really hasn't put a foot wrong. And as a defender, sometimes not standing out is the best thing because that means you're not under the microscope of getting beaten or making a mistake that leads to a goal scoring chance or things like that. But I think, you know, he's looked very secure for a guy who just came from Hellas Verona, who, you know, played in Serie A, but not at a big club. And now he's moved to a bigger club and uh, really – filled in flawlessly after coming right before the start of the season. So I think long-term, if he's here four, five, six years beyond that, whatever it may be, he's going to have an impactful career. But, you know, he, he might be gone in two for all we know. Yeah, uh, well, obviously we're on a Zoom video call, and as Steve was saying that, he could see me <laughs> laughing. Um, my predecessor, Chris, was sort of famous for saying that all Roma signings are essentially two-year loans at most. <laughs> uh, obviously, we, we hope that gets that better. So, uh, Sean, Kambula might seem like – the obvious answer, but could you make a case for any other player, any other new signing uh, being the, having the biggest impact over, let's say, the course of maybe two or three years? You could even back it up to some of the winter signings if it makes it easier for you. Well, to play devil's advocate, I think uh, the question marks over Max are can he, can he handle the pressure long term? Because he, he, like you said, like we've all said, he, he hasn't stood out, and that's great for defending, but in terms of doing a fair share on the ball, you know, you, you've got question marks there. And I think your opponents always find a way to use your weaknesses against you. So if if he's not so confident on the ball, it could be that Roma end up getting pressed um, 
they could get opponents pressing Chris Smalling or Mancini or Ibanez and trying to trap Roma into giving the ball to to Kumbula. Um, if that happens, you know, the, the, I've seen pressure. We've all seen pressure break players in Roma before. So we'll we'll see how how he develops. Um, if you know, if if that turns out to be the case, then I've got to be an optimist and go for Borja Mayor, Mayoral because uh, who else is there? I mean, it'd be, it'd be nice if it was Mayor that had the biggest say over the next few years because we, we've been hunting for a striker who can do something other than play false nine for quite quite some years now, and uh, Borja has to be that guy. Yeah, I'm going to be very curious to see him play, just A, to see what he can do when he looks like out there. Um, for my money, I, I, it's hard not to say Kambula as the biggest long-term impact simply because he's the youngest, but you do raise some interesting points. We don't know how he's going to develop. Um, is he a flash in the pan? Is he going to wilt on this bigger stage? Certainly, his performance against Udinese was uh, encouraging, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, uh, moving along. So we ran through the list of outgoing players. Um, just sort of the highlights of that one were obviously Schick, Florenzi, Kolarov, Under. Kleibert, Parati, so those were the big names. Um, they tried like hell to find a suitor for Jesus. Um, I don't think anyone was going to touch Pastore with a 10-foot pole. Um, they might have had a chance over the <laughs> summer, but I think he had uh, another hip surgery over the summer, so that was um, the death knell for that transfer. Uh, Nearly happened in January, though. Did it? Who was that? I can't quite recall. Yeah, he had a move agreed to China. All the oh, signs right. delivered, but then obviously the pandemic hit and in China of all places, so yeah. Yeah, it also seems like um, Inter-Miami, which still sounds really strange to say, might be the new sort of haven for European players looking for mm. um, a new life. Nice place to live, though, from what I hear. Um, yeah, so the outgoing transfers, they tried to get rid of a lot of the bloat from Mochi, but they weren't able to. So let's just talk about um, those bigger names that went away. Uh, which one will you personally miss the most, or maybe which one you think the, the team will actually miss on the pitch? Steve, what do you think? Um so I guess of the big names at this point, I'd have to go with Kluivert just because they didn't really replace him adequately after, um, like we thought they would with El Shirari. If they brought in El Shirari, I, I might have had a different answer. But I think, um, you know, Pedro and Mkhitaryan are both up there in age. They're both past 30. So you have to hope that they can play the amount of minutes that they're probably going to be expected to play in those two attacking midfield positions now. Um, so I think Kluivert might be the one that they would miss the most. Um you know, he's not a huge loss based on what he produced last season under Fonseca, but, you know, if, if injuries start to bite some of those older players, then I think they might miss him. Yeah, so when I was um, writing that rumor piece yesterday, I was looking at uh, his sum total in Rome was like 3,400 minutes, which is roughly what you get as a starter. Um, and he had eight goals and nine assists. That's spread out over all competitions. I mean, if you just stumbled across that player without the name, that's not bad, right? Eight goals, yeah. and nine assists in 3,400 minutes. So. This is branching off a bit, but why, in your estimation, do you think this experiment didn't work? Or hasn't worked yet, perhaps? I don't know. Yeah, and he could be back. Um, Depends on how he plays. If he plays well, then, you know, Leipzig might, you know, work the option next year. So he might be going permanently. Um, I I think the biggest disappointment with him was the – and, you know, eight goals, nine assists doesn't sound so bad. But when you watch him on a season-by-season basis, he didn't really produce the goals we probably thought he would produce. You know, he had a pretty decent work rate. I thought he would work back better than players like Wunder and some of those other wing-type players when they were in that three-man, three you know, up front kind of look. Um, but I just think for all the wheels he has and the ability, he just puts his head down a little too often, doesn't, like, 
make the smartest decisions sometimes. And I think the, the finishing was a bit disappointing at times too. Yeah, you're right. He kind of reminds me of um, just like a really fast point guard in basketball, just dribble, mm-hmm. dribble, dribble all day. But once they get to the paint, they're sort of hung up with nowhere to go. Um, Sean, how about you? Which one of the dearly departed Roma players do you think maybe that you have a personal affinity for that you'll miss, or maybe that you think the team will actually miss on the pitch? Well, I was, I was a Perotti fan all day. I, I, I know that Roma yeah. won't miss him on the pitch because he's constantly injured. So I'll admit that much. But, uh, I, I, I mean, he's, he's one of the players that I feel, I really feel like it was a privilege to watch him play football. Um, I've said that before and I, I still feel that today. I, I just, I love this game. Um, but in terms of who Roma will, will miss, I believe it's Kolarov. I, I know that. He wasn't as effective as, as he was when he first came. But I mentioned last season that it was, it was really noticeable how when Roma needed to close out games, they still passed the ball to Kolarov to let him you know, really play out and, and be the playmaker on their left side. So I'm really interested to see if this new trend continues where we've now moved our, our sphere of influence to right to the middle of the pitch where ideally you'd want it to be, but it's, it's coming through Ibanez. Uh, can can that last throughout a whole season? Ibanez has only, only played 13 Serie A games and he's 21 years old. He's not, I mean, you wouldn't expect him to be like a caller of the, the kind of guy who says, okay, we need to kill out the game. Give me the ball and I'll, I'll take care of it. If if he can do that for this season, then Ibanez just continues to, to blow me away and, and we won't miss Kolarov, but we'll see. Yeah, uh, I agree with you there. Kolarov was... Um kind of a player you overlooked, but he was out there uh, pretty much every minute he could be. Um, I don't know which player I, I think they'll miss um, actually on the pitch, maybe Under, I think just because anytime, if you can catch him in a hot moment, he can beat any player on earth. He can rip off a shot. I think they'll, they'll miss that in spurts, but you obviously couldn't really rely on him over the long term. Um, Steve, Steve, I'll come to you on this next one since you are our uh, Primavera expert as of late. So we have... Sorry, I'm flipping between multiple tabs here. So of our young players, we had Fusato going out. We had Antonucci, Bua. Um, I might be missing a few. Which one of those players do you think is under the most pressure this year? Which one has to come good? Fusato, Bua, Riccardi, Antonucci, what do you think? I think it has to be Riccardi because he's been hyped for a couple of years now, yet he hasn't been able to even really get a decent look with the club. You see guys like Calafiori get a look and, you know, stay up. He's with the senior team this year. Um, so you wonder why Riccardi hasn't been able to break through with the senior side. He had that one substitute appearance, I think in the Coppa Italia under Di Francesco and Fonseca didn't even bring him on the bench a lot of the time last year when he would bring other Primavera players on the bench. So I think he's under the pressure at Pescara to really make an impact there and prove that he can cut it at least at Serie B to then progress hopefully to a Serie A club next year, even if it's not Roman, maybe another loan deal or something, but He's got to start to show his next stage in his development, I think. Right. Um, Sean, how about you with um, David Bua? You know a bit about him, right? What can you – what should we expect from his loan? I, he's just going to prove that he can stay injury-free. He's he's actually the the ideal, the prototype right back that, that Fonseca had been looking for for his, his side in, that, in the fact that he's, he's physically – Strong. He's not intimidated by taking people one on one. He can run up and down the line all day like a like a freight train, and uh, it's yeah, that was before the injuries. But now he's had two separate knee injuries, 
and he's just got to prove to people that he hasn't hasn't lost his spark from what he showed the last two seasons because he 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 showed everything that uh, Ricardo Calafiori has done on the left side. He's he's capable of everything, but he's just yeah, he's got to prove to everyone that he's he's uh, got a career ahead of him. But I, I would agree with Stephen that Ricardi is by far under the most pressure to to make a career now because he he's the only one who's on eight hundred thousand a year, and that's you know that's 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 not chump change by Primavera standards for for one, but especially for Serie B standards as well. It's not it's not going to be easy for him to find a club that's willing to play him if he doesn't really come out the blocks this season. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. He is the closest to being a senior player, so I think uh, he's really under the gun this year. Um, yeah, so David Boo, I believe, had two separate ACL injuries, correct? Yes. Yeah, and then Roma had another one this weekend on the women's side with Jada Greggi tore her right yeah. ACL, so yeah. it never ends. Um, yeah. So let's let's talk about, so we mentioned briefly some of the players they were trying to offload, and I did sort of an impromptu interview with our Everton site because they were looking into Robin Olsen, and so... I felt really bad because this, uh, this guy, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but asked me sort of what player is and what to expect. And I was just like, oh, buddy, I don't know. I didn't want to break He's great. Take him. <laughs> Take him, please. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, I tried to be diplomatic in my responses, but they posted it pretty quick, and you could see their Everton fans responding to it. It was pretty funny. <laughs> um, a, lot of dis- a lot of instant despair. Um, so let's just talk about the guys they couldn't sell. And I'm just going to assume the only one who – seemingly has value on the pitch would be Pastore but and that's a big but um is, is he ever going to make it back to the pitch John what can he what can he do with this current Fonseca side that maybe no other player on there can do what could he bring maybe in the, the winter of 2021 Pastore yeah what does he what does he provide that maybe Pedro or Mkhitaryan can't why what do we have to look forward to we have to find some silver lining in this I think he 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 can do exactly what Mkhitaryan can do. I'm not sure Pedro is exactly the same kind of player as both of them. I put Mickey oh, yeah. and, so and Pastorian. He's Mkhitaryan with a mullet. Remember he had that little long hair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's exactly how you, how I put it. Yeah, he's he's yeah. one of those players that can he can break between several lines at once. Um, if you if you picture any team as like three banks of three like three banks of defensive lines, he can break through the last two. In, in one single phase, um, he can come deep. He can string passes together with the with the defense, and he can do, you know, in in the in the catch eye, he can start exchanging one twos with the attack. So he can what he does do is with those kind of players, you can either when you're at nil nil and you need to open the game, he'll help you to play at four two three one or any kind of attacking formation, and then when you're ahead in the game, he can help you to this shut up shop and, and start playing more defensive four three three. That's what he was doing for us last season and he was doing it very well. But that's that's Pastore when he's healthy and as you've said, the you know, when does that day ever come? <laughs> yeah, and with this team too, I I'd have to say if he can get healthy, even in, you know, game here, game there, with the lack of guys now in that attacking midfield position, I'm sure there could be minutes for him. You know, after unloading Perotti, Cloyvert, and Under, there has to be a few minutes yeah, there for him. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, probably counting on him for depth, like you said. Yeah. I agree. I was just going to say that I think he's no longer a luxury, but I think the most ironic thing in this, I remember when they signed him, 
sort of saying this is a really good signing despite the salary and the cost because his game wasn't really predicated on speed or anything. He's such an intelligent and classy player, but as we're seeing, he can't stay on the pitch. So there's a a saying in the NFL, the best ability is availability, and Pistoria hasn't really had that so far. But but also to go back to what you guys were talking about with why Cliver didn't work out, I believe that one of the one of the reasons, not the biggest, but one of the reasons was Pastorius unavailability. He's he's the kind of player that would bring out the best in Cliver if if Pastore had been available to play in that uh Tricartista role right next to him. Because Cliver, like like you guys have said, he's he's a guy who when he gets to the final third, he looks to play one twos with someone else behind you know, who who understands that side of the game. Pastore was that guy, but he just wasn't available last season. Yeah, you're right. He uh is one of those players that makes everybody better. Um, so I'm going to deviate a little bit from the plan I have in front of me because uh, I sent out just a, a quick thing, a, excuse me, a quick thing on Twitter asking for questions about transfers that we're recording. Uh, so we had one um, in particular that I thought was kind of cool. Uh, it's got a long username, Dane, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff after it. But he says, uh, besides Smalling, has Roma given Fonseca anything, emphasis on anything, since he got here? <laughs> Besides Smalling, has Roma given Fonseca anything? I can put <laughs> the asterisks around it. I agree with him. Uh, has Roma given Fonseca anything since he got here to make his style of football take shape? Steve, what do you think? Um, I mean, I know he requested Pedro is what they, they say, right? So I guess Pedro fits that style of play. I, I guess Ibanez in some ways, too. I, I mean, show him to know better. He's a little bit better with the tactics. But that ball-playing center back, I think, is something Fonseca really likes, isn't it, Sean? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think I think Ibanez, even a VR, if they can start to develop him, I think could fit into that style of play. Um, so I think they've given him pieces. I don't know if they're all, you know, I mean, Ibanez has come come good much sooner than we probably expected. Um, but there, there's been little pieces, but there's definitely things I'm sure he could still use. What do you think, Sean? I think he has. I think they have. Sorry, I think they have. I like like you said. I think the defenders where they've they've come through. Big time. They haven't spared any expense or, or any. Kind, haven't made any compromise in style. You know, they, they've signed not just ball players, but aggressive guys, aggressive defenders who look to take on, who look to win back the ball early. That's also another key part of Fonseca's game. You you want defenders who um, won't stay back. They'll push up. They'll they'll try and beat their man to the ball when it's coming Roma's way. And uh, Kumbula, Daniels, Mancini, Smalling. That's their game. That's how they make their bread and butter. And, uh, yeah, Pedro was uh, an explicit request from Fonseca. I, I'm sure he didn't explicitly name Pedro himself, but he asked for experience in the final third. They've done that. Um, I do understand where the, where the question is coming from, though, because I, I'm I'm disappointed that they haven't signed anything like the fullbacks that, that Fonseca wants. Uh, we, don't, we don't have the fullbacks that he wants, and that's going to be a major question mark of this season right that's unfortunately nothing new um i'll have to say this so this is our third uh episode of this and this is so only the third time we've spoken i gotta say sean i have a grudge against you now you've made me every time i see Ibanez, i'm just instantly depressed because i just think he's going to be gone now. <laughs> 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 it's not really i mean obviously it's a possibility given the history of the team but i just didn't think i'm like you're right he's going to be psg next year it's going to be tough yep. Um, so speaking again, back to, uh, I believe, Dane, his question, has Roma given Fonseca anything to make his style of football take shape? Um, I thought it was interesting you guys both spoke immediately about the defense. And I remember last summer thinking when they signed Veratut, 
and DOR. To me, it seemed like perfect because they were perfect double pivot players, and that was Fonseca's preferred That's uh, true. position. Mm-hmm. But now it's sort of um, fallen out of favor. Are they? I, we've we've touched upon this a bit with DOR. Um, are their skills sort of uh, wasted in this new setup? Sean, what do you think? Uh, I think it's it's on the water. Maybe not wait. Maybe wasted's a bit strong, but are they not really in the best environment for them? Because it seems like the point I'm making is it seems like they're purchased specifically to fill those two positions in Fonseca's specific formation. So to me, I remember I probably wrote it last summer too. I was like, wow, they're really the DS and the manager in lockstep for the first time. Um, but then everything changed. So are they sort of um, I don't know the odd one out? Are they a sore thumb? Those two in this formation. I, I think it's on the players to to make it work. I I I don't see any reason why Diawara couldn't push himself to to find a place in a in a in a flat form midfield. Um, it's it's on it's on him to to push his game. You know, I'd love to defend him. I do, um, but uh, I I think I think I believe in him, and I think I think he's more than capable of finding a place in this formation. It's you know it's it's not like he's limited to. <laughs> To just saying, well, I, I can only make it work if you give me a four-three-three. If he wants to be that type of player in the future, fair enough. He he should uh, hopefully end up at a club where he can show the best of himself, and he he will be become a great player if he stays healthy. But if he wants to be even better and more versatile, uh, it's really on him to to make it work. Right, and we'll uh, we'll get to just in a little bit about um, so what I call missed opportunities and things like that. So I just wanted to. Uh, talk a bit about transfer rumors uh, because that's sort of our bread and butter for large swaths of the summer. And it's uh, one of my favorite things to cover. So I went back and looked. So our very, very first um, summer 2020 transfer rumor occurred on February 6th. And that was discussing the possibility of Dries Mertens coming to Roma. Um, and so I, I just, yeah, I ran through and I just looked at, pulled out some of the names. So here's a list. Uh, I might, let me take a sip of water before I do this. A list of Alyssa we, we talk about, we no, talk no, about whether we're, we're relieved it doesn't happen. <laughs> no, I'm just going to uh, run through just, this is just a sampling of some of the rumors we've covered since February. Okay. So February to now. So we had, we started off with Dries Mertens. Uh, we talked about Fred. We talked about Arcadius Milik. We talked about Nahuel Bustos, Nehuan Perez, Salvatore Sirigu, Matteo Perrin, Matias Decilio, Armando Izzo, Alessio Cranio, Jan Vertonghen. There was a time when we thought we had him. We talked about Giacomo, Giacomo Bonaventura, Mario Goza, Edison Cavani, Jeremy Boga, the Moranchuk twins, uh, Rolando Madragora, and even Giovanni Castrovilli. And that, like I said, is just a small sample of the things we discussed. There was also uh, Moise Keane, uh, Bernardeschi, Delo, a whole bunch of them. Um, Steve, is there any missed opportunities in there? Any players you thought would have been a perfect fit that we missed out on? Um. From that list of players, the player I, I, anybody, anybody. Yeah, I'd love to have Castrovilli. He looks like a, a real player for Fiorentina. I don't know if he's our biggest position of need per se, but I think he's got a bright future ahead of him. Yeah, Sean. What about you? Any any missed opportunities in the rumors we covered or didn't cover? Any players uh, you want to fit in? Are there any right backs in there? Um, just the one I created on my own. The Santons. <laughs> um, yeah. You know what? I, there's not that many. Quite Just frankly. D- Dalo, oh. right, at the end over there? Yeah, I think he can do both, can he? Yeah, I think oh. so. Sorry, you mentioned Decilio. I'm, I'm happy that oh, didn't Decilio, happen. Decilio, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, uh, any any right back except the CEO, and I, I would have been happy. Juve always tries to dump those spare parts on us. Well, since we, yeah. we since we mentioned Castrovilli, let's deviate and talk about a transfer that has nothing to do with Roma. I think the biggest uh, internal mm-hmm. transfer of the day was Federico Chiesa going from Fiorentina to Juventus for what will eventually be $50 million. I think they're only getting $2 million up front. Um, so I was joking with uh, Tito, our, our colleague who runs the Viola Nation site. Um, he was obviously upset about that. And I was like, well, you never know. He might fall on his face like Bernardeschi. Uh, there's just a pattern of young players when they go to huge clubs like that, whether it's Juve and we've seen it with players coming to Roma from Madrid or Barcelona. It doesn't always work out the way they think. Um, mm. Sean, do you think... It's, it's, well, it's a terrible deal for Fiorentina, though. Up front, yeah. 50 yeah. million. Yeah, you might be right. A couple of years from now, 50 million might be a bargain for him. Um, do, you, do you see him succeeding there, or is it just another case of a player moving to too big of a club too early? Well, it's, it's well known that Juve want him for quite some time now. I, I'm not entirely sure if it's because they think he's going to be the icon of the national team or if they genuinely love his game. I, I think he's a very athletic player. He's, I think he's one of those players that can't afford to get injured. Otherwise, you're talking about mm, can he still do what, what he's known for doing right now. Um, if, he, if he stays fit and injury-free his whole career, I mean, why not? You know, he, he's, he's a guy who can... Like he, 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 he has no fear. He just runs through people on his way to goal. Um, he's a little bit egocentric when it comes to the final thirds, but that's fine. I mean, he's, he's a special player. Uh, he, he brings something that other people don't bring. And uh, you know, that, a player like that always puts himself in discussion. But I think it's a really bad deal for Fiorentina, not just money-wise. Uh, but it's also because it's, becoming a regular thing that Fiorentina players go to Juventus that, that never used to be acceptable apart from Roberto Baggio. Um, and even that was a riot when that happened. And then also Chiesa is the captain of the team. Well, he was the captain before today. Um, so what, a, what does it say? And he's a legacy yeah. player there too. Yeah, exactly. So what, what does it say to other players like um, Vlaovic or Castoridi who we just talked about, you know, that this, you know, Fiorentina were just, just, spent the whole summer beating their chest saying we have Rocco Comiso and uh, we're building a team here and we believe in what we're doing. And now today this flies in the face of, of all of that message. So, Yeah, that's, that's got to be a tough pill to swallow for Fiorentina fans. I think maybe if we're fortunate, we'll find ourselves in the same situation with Christian Totti someday. Um, mm. Yeah, it's even tougher for them because I think if I'm not mistaken, Comiso is uh, in terms of personal wealth, the richest owner in Serie A and, um, I always sort of make uh, cross-sport connections, but it reminds me, Steve, you might know about this. Uh, the Minnesota Twins, I think their owner is one of the richest in the league, and he doesn't really spend a lot. So that's got to be uh, quite aggravating for fan bases like that. Um, well, so same question to you, Steve. What do you think about Chiesa going to Juve? Uh, can that yeah. succeed, or is it too much too soon? I, I think he can succeed. Um, you know, he's been kind of leading the attack for Fiorentina for a couple of years now. So even though he's younger, he's he's had plenty of experience. He, I think he's a very good player. I don't know if he's like a generational talent, like a Zaniola or Tonali looks like, but I think he'll be one of the main pieces for the Azuri going forward and probably lead their attack from the wing for a while. Um, I think he's got all the skills to succeed. I don't know, you know, Bernardeschi didn't work out and he was kind of the same. I don't want to say he's the same player, but you know, he went with the same kind of hype to Juventus, but I think he has is at a, a, another level from Bernardeschi in terms of talent. Um, he, he is a little egocentric, like Sean said. So? Um, 
<laughs> I mean, <laughs> I could be, you know, I could be mistaken because Bernardeschi really hasn't shown what he's, he did at Fiorentina the last couple of years at Juve. So maybe, it, you know, I could be just forgetting how good Bernardeschi was. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not trying to say you're wrong. I'm, I'm just no, no. asking. You know, yeah, no, I, I mean, um, I remember Bernardeschi being, you know, looking like one of those can't-miss prospects at Fiorentina too. Um, but he's one of those guys, not to change the subject, but I think he's got to leave Juventus soon. Yeah. If he's I mean, in his mean, career. Yeah, but I, I think we can I, all agree to that. Yeah, I, I agree with Sean. I think in terms of the deal for Fiorentina, it's a terrible deal in terms of the financials of it. Um, when I saw the the structure of the deal, I think they don't have to pay, you know, the full price for like two or three seasons. It's like you're losing your – arguably your best player, most inf- impactful player. Um, I, and when I looked at Fiorentina's lineup this past weekend, and that was even without Ribery, you, you look at the lineup and you're like, they have a pretty good starting 11. And then – Oh, two days later, there goes their captain, their biggest talent. They're really their face of their franchise, so to speak. Not that they're called franchises in European football, but, you know, I, I think it's a big loss for them. And from a Juventus perspective, it's just the case of the rich getting richer. They kind of, they signed Kulusevski. They signed, uh, they got Artur from Barcelona. They, you know, McKinney's more of a depth move, but, and then you get Chiesa in the last day. And it's like, you look at what the other big teams in the league did outside of maybe Milan signing Tonali and, you know, re-signing Ibra. And you don't see much improvement from the other teams. I know Hakimi was a big signing for Inter because they needed, you know, some help on the wing. But Juventus, you know, we'll see what Pirlo does going forward because they didn't look great against Roma. But, you know, they're, they're putting the pieces there for him to succeed. That's for sure. Yeah, it was uh, – I would assume uh, I'm, I think Roma was the busiest of the Italian teams on deadline day. Um, so yeah, I think, we, I think j- j- just to touch on that, Bernadeschi yep, Kiesa thing for a second. I think, I think it probably comes down to which kind of player you prefer. But I remember Bernadeschi like whipping in some gorgeous free kicks for Fiorentina, like stuff that I, I don't see many players do. Um, and he could he could really whip a ball. He could he could do anything with the ball. He's a technically, I think technically more talented than Kiesa. And the, the, when he went to Juventus, that you know, we were just talking about what kind of player is Pastore. There was talk of Chiesa being, uh, sorry, Bernadeschi being that, eventually becoming that guy for Juventus who could really hook up the passes between all departments. It never happened. And I guess that's why you're asking us today, because if it doesn't work out for Bernadeschi, that's the risk. It doesn't work out for Chiesa. But Chiesa is more of an athletic star. And, uh, you know, some people love that. And I'll, I'll full credit to him. I, I don't see many players who can run the whole pitch, um, ride, like, three different tackles from three different opponents on, on his run and yet still smash the ball in that like something like 120 miles per hour by the time he gets to the end of the pitch. So Chiesa has uh, a kind of energy in him that is just is animalistic. And, yeah, uh, and he works too. He works back for, for Fiorentina and for the national yeah. team too when he plays. He doesn't just wait for a pass to come to him and then take players on. He'll, he'll work to get the ball back. So yeah. he's, got a, he's got a good work rate. Yeah. Um, and just to throw there on Bernadeschi, I mean, at, what, he can't be more than what twenty five, twenty six at this point. I'd, I'd take a flyer on him if I were Rome, if I could get him for the right price. I was just going to say that summer. Yeah, I'd, I'd take a guy say, like that. Today is October fifth. I'll make a prediction before Halloween. We're writing about a Bernadeschi to Roma, yeah. whether it's winter hmm. or or uh, summer. Uh, okay, so we recapped the four signings. We talked about who left, who we'd miss. Um, so let's talk a bit about free agents. Uh, that was another question posed to us on Twitter, which I didn't even think of. So thank you for doing that. So I have uh, the transfer market um, site up. 
I'm um, just looking at some free agents here. They have Cavani at the top, but obviously he just signed with United. Uh, we have Mario Goza still available. Um, there's a right back named Nathaniel Klein. Uh, <laughs> not even sure who he is, but he laughed. So I can't imagine he's good. The English to see you. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Uh, I see Daniel Sturridge is still on here. Um, but let's look at positions in need. Jose Callejon still available. I, did he sign for Fiorentina today? Did he? I thought I thought he was there for a medical. Oh, I don't know. I'm I'm looking on their our Fiorentina. Double check. Let's see it. Uh, we see. Well, we don't need center back. Uh, Alexandra Pato is still available if we want a center forward. Uh, Manzukic still on here. Fabio yeah. Barini. Fabio Barini. We need a, we need a left winger. Callejon is a Spanish professional yeah. footballer who plays for Serie A club Fiorentina. Yeah. Hey, what about Barini? Is he still available? Well, we have we have Mayor. Mayor reminds me of Barini when he first uh, when he was playing for Swansea, and and then we he signed for us a couple of years later. He's that kind of guy who who he doesn't look polished, but he still gets the job done. Right. When I, I did the second look at him, I stumbled across these old Zidane quotes from 2015 where people were comparing him to uh, Madrid legend Raul. So that was um, pretty impressive. Well, yeah. yeah. There's a high praise indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we don't really know what he could be, but um, so no free agents, tickle your fancy, huh? You wouldn't give Goto a go? I'm I'm surprised he's still sitting there. I, honestly, I figured somebody would give it a go. I don't know if uh, it has to do with what his demands are at this point, or I think that's always health concerns. With health him, concerns. I would think if he would sign him to like an incentive laden contract, that might um, entice him. But yeah, we. I, I, I would have I would have liked Cavani. I don't know if he signed with anyone in the end. I think he just signed with United today. Yeah, and he wanted oh, okay. like ten million a year. I think. Yeah, I would have so. given it to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we kicked off the spring looking at free agents like that: um, Cavani, Bonaventura, Pedro, obviously. Um, okay, so let's let's flash forward. We're going to wrap it up here in in a minute. So let's talk about um, Steve. You see the team doing anything in the winter? I know it's hard to predict. Players could get injured between now and January. But are there any lingering concerns that you think they could address on the cheap in January? Yeah, I mean, Petrarchi did a great job of it last winter, bringing in Villar, Perez, and, of course, Ibanez. So there are definitely bargains to be had if you look in the right places. I think it has a lot to do with the scouting and finding those younger um, up-and-coming prospects that other teams might not, you know, value as highly. Because, you know, a team like Atalanta, I'm surprised they let Ibanez walk so easily for only 10 million euros after, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, a short time. You figured Gasparini would have saw what potential he had and even played him more maybe to boost his value in the future. But um, it's hard to say. I mean, I'm, I could say for sure we're set in center back. Um, unfortunately, a keeper, we're pretty well stocked <laughs> in that market. So I don't think <laughs> we could do anything there, I guess. A lot of what we do depends on how the midfield and those attacking midfielders and the, the wings perform, because I think, you know, there's a little bit of an age concern, like we mentioned, at the attacking midfield position now. And then you have the wing, which is always a concern, especially right back. So I guess it depends how well uh, Bruno Perez and Karsdorp and Santon, you know, man that position if maybe they try to test the waters for a right back in January. But, you know, they're definitely going to stay budget conscious, um, maybe more so than usual this year. So if they do go any for anything in the winter, it would be on the cheap, I would say, or a loan deal, something just to – add some depth or maybe fill a position in need that might arise. Okay. Uh, Sean, same question to you. Do you see anything happening in the winter? 
it, like Stephen said, there's two things there that I, I agree with him. Um, if if for some reason in the winter time we have problematic uh, issues that you know in the in the front line or at right back, I can definitely see Paulo Fonseca going to the, the post-match microphones and start to put pressure on the club like like he did this summer with Chris Morning, and uh, you know they're saying, look, uh, the club hasn't. I, I need a right back. Um, but whether Roma will have the money to do that will be is a, is a different question. And I think a lot of the this season's mercato depends on the TV deal coming through for next season because the, the plan is for the clubs to sell, uh, st- start up a new company and sell off the initial rights for the next three years for 1.1 billion euros at the moment. Um, and then to then have their the new company resell those rights once again over different ter- territories to possibly Netflix, possibly Amazon. We'll see. But uh, it's a contentious issue right now. Mm. Um, they have Serie B clubs saying, look, you don't have the right to do this because, you know, you need to, what about us? You need to share some of the pie with us if you're going to do this in, the, in this new way they're trying to do it. Um, but, you know, if, if, if things go the way Serie A wants it to right now, they could be looking at getting 1.1 million um, income within the next month or so, which will change the general market significantly. Yeah, then, then you get people being far more confident about making deals. But right now, what we've just seen this summer is um, spending is down by nearly 50%. Um, There's what, like been 227 new signings this, this, this summer compared to 372 the last summer. Um, sales are still up fair enough I mean it's been like I think it's 34% less income taken in this year than than last year but it's it's been a a selling window for everyone in the country and for that to turn around again you need the new TV deal in my opinion right and as I was looking through our uh, transfer stuff in the spring and the summer there was one article we wrote um, just sort of estimating that Roma wanted to clear about 90 million in sales um, this summer that obviously uh, fell well short of that Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot. Oh, winter focus, right? Uh, yeah, I think you guys are, are both right in the winter. I it would be great if they could land a right back uh, on the cheap. Um, I don't. I don't think they'll reapproach Milik in the winter. <laughs> I hope not. Uh, so let's wrap things up here. Let's just talk about overall grades you would give Roma for their summer slash fall winter mer- or summer slash fall transfer market. Steve, what do you think? So we're talking about. Uh, the four incoming signings and all the outgoings, what would you give them a letter grade based on our, our U.S. letter grade system that you're so familiar with? Um, I guess I would go somewhere in the BB minus range um, because slightly, I do like – Slightly above average. Yeah, I like the Kumbula signing. Um, it seems like Pedro's going to be a decent signing for them based on what Fonseca wants from that position. I guess he'll be okay. Um, you know, Mayoral, we'll see. If he pans out, then, you know, that grade probably goes up because they've been looking for a younger striker behind Dzeko. Um But the sales, you know, I, you know it, I think if they can eventually cash in on, uh, uh, excuse me, Under and Kluivert, um, if they end up getting paid for them and they wanted them off the books, I guess that, that improves things. But if they both come back next year a bit disgruntled uh, off bad loans and still on the books, it could, it could, you know, hurt the overall grade, I guess you could say. Um, and then you still have guys like Fazio and, and Juan Jesus. You didn't figure out the keeper position. So I think there are other things that need to be figured out, which is why I'm going more toward like a B minus. And the only thing that's really keeping it above like a C for me is, is probably Kumbula 
and um, the Myrall signings, I think, honestly. Um, if maybe they got El Shirari or another piece that maybe was a little bit exciting. I know Sean didn't really care for him, but I think if they had something else to maybe boost the goal scoring, maybe I would have given him a little more credit. But I don't know. It still feels like it was so disjointed with the way the whole Smalling situation played out, and I'm, I'm forgetting him in the grade too. But, um, you know, the fact it took to the last minute, the fact that you couldn't get Pedroti over the line sooner to get El Shirari in if you really wanted El Shirari, I, I think – that could be the lack of the, the DS in position, someone who's really knew the job and could, you know, keep things organized rather than whoever these intermediaries doing the business for Fianga and then trying to, whatever it was, they need to get that structure in place before the winter market for sure. I guess they'll use the fall to figure out who that DS is going to be, but they, they need something in place. They need that clear vision because as much as Petrarchi caused some trouble in Rome, he had a vision and he seemed to work hand in hand with Fonseca and they're going to need that going forward, whether it's with Fonseca or another manager, I think. Yeah. B minus. That's pretty good. That when I was a kid, my parents would pay me just like change. Like when I was a real little kid, that probably would have got me like 50 cents. So that's pretty good. <laughs> um, before I ask you that same question, since uh, Steve brought it up, um, give us just a quick sort of rundown of that Gianluca Petrocchi interview. Can you sort of tell us what were the highlights from it? What sort of lessons did you take away from it? What conclusion? It was a long interview, so it's <laughs> hard to sum it up. But uh, I, I've, I've noticed that he's far more comfortable talking to fans than he is journalists. So um, I, I believe that he's just a guy who you should keep away from the media if you can as much as possible, and let him do his job. And he, he's very, very. He came across as very astute when it comes to signing players. He talked about his time at Torino signing Immobile and Bellotti when they were both, you know, no, no one would have touched him at that time because they, they weren't scoring goals. And he took him in and said, look, uh, I like your game. I just keep doing what you're doing. I support you. You're more than loved here. And, uh, you know, just push through, be strong, and it will come good. And it, he was right in both, both occasions. And he's, I think we could see a lot of players at Roma where um, he was right there as well last season, especially Ibanez. So, yeah, he's, I think he's, he's a football man, um, not a media man, not a media man whatsoever. And I think that's a good point you made about the Torino signings with uh, Ciro and uh, Bellotti, because those are probably the two best Italian-born goal scorers right now, besides maybe Caputo yes. putting up good numbers in Sassuolo. But those are yeah. Italy's two main strikers right now. And he, he signed them both and made them both what they are today, I guess, in, in Torino. Right. Uh, okay, Sean. So I'm not sure what grade system you grew up in, but give us your overall impressions of Roma's summer transfer market. Uh, coming into this talk, I, I had a B in my head already. I had okay. a B in my head, so I'll, I'll give it a B. I, I, I don't, I don't, I, I, I disagree with you, Steve, that, I, that the sporting director played into it too much. Um, but I think it's probably a talk for another day because I'd love to know what exactly does a sporting director actually do. Um, I, I, I get like, I get the general stuff, but I don't really, I think, I think it's just, it's, uh, I mean, outside of sporting directors talking about how important they are, I don't really know the difference, you know? Um, I, I think that it's, we like, we'd love to see a DS at the club so that if we mess it up, we have someone to blame. But right now we have no one to blame. It's just that it's a team effort. I think that a team effort has actually done some good stuff. Like, Signing Kumbula for for what they did is is impressive. Uh, although it has to be said that 
Um, I don't know if anyone saw, um, we, we gave away one player, Cancelieri, who I, I wasn't up to date on when we gave him away. So I wasn't crying about it. But I don't know if you guys saw the, the goal he scored immediately after he started playing for Verona Primavera at the first week. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> he, he cuts inside two players, uh, goes onto the left foot, and scores a 25 yard curl out from out the box. Of course. <laughs> so so we, we, could, we could live to regret that one. But um, I think they, they started, look, the team stuck to their guns. They, they wanted to sign Chris Smalling for the, in the margins that the club could afford. They did that. They signed Kumbula on a, a very inventive deal that kept the cost down low. Um, they signed Pedro, which is you know, nice for the for the coach, and uh, they got Mayora, which is not not Plan A, but not bad. Um, they didn't get SES of the line, which is what they wanted to do. I give it a B. I, I can't forgive the not signing a right back that that the team, the kind of right back that the team needs, and also question marks at goalkeeper. Right. I, uh, I can't believe that I'm going to be the most optimistic one here. I'm going to give them an A minus. I think when you uh, consider all, everything they were stacked up against, the change in ownership, the pandemic, the economic effects of that, I think they did as well as they possibly could. I think Pedro, as we're seeing, fits like a glove with Fonseca. Uh, Kambula is helping right now immediately, and I think he's going to help long term, provided they can keep him. Um, Mayoral, we don't really know, but I, I Based on what I read and what I hear about him, it seems like he's sort of the same multifaceted attacker who can help throw different looks at opponents. And like you said, um, it took a lot longer and it was really aggravating, but they finally landed Smalling and that's who they want. So I, I'm going to give him an A-. minus. It would have been great if they could have offloaded all of uh, Monchi's misfits, as I call them, but no one's beaten down the door to sound Juan Jesus or Javier Pastore. So I think considering all that, they did really well, and I'll give him an A-. minus. Um, well, I tend to be an optimist, and I, I look like the pessimist in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. It's, we we got to take it from every now and then. I'm, co- I'm comfortable with Brent being optimist in this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that whole rep still bothers me. I don't think it's – I don't know. It's, it's, very, it's very hard to explain. I, I don't think anything we've said or done or written has been um, – unfair no, it's just or, it's just in in writing people like the speed read they scroll and and you yeah, say one I, thing that yeah i also i also it, think uh, people conflate sort of the reactions on twitter after a match yeah what mm-hmm. we actually write i yeah. think what we actually write is fair i think it's well researched i think it's we're not taking pot shots at anybody so i was a little bit bothered yeah. about that you, you say you say it only takes one thing that really like it brings out like a fight or flight reaction and so on. And, and that will stick for months, you know, <laughs> despite all the other, the, the 10, 10 other things that you wrote that is to get past. So that's, I think that's the, the danger of writing. And, and I'm, I'm not the one who said we're not selling Allison. So that wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, guys, any uh, final thoughts as we wrap this up? I'm looking Welcome forward to Chris Morning. Welcome yeah. home. Yeah. I'm oh. hoping that uh, we stay healthy and that uh, the yeah. season goes well. John, did you get any good birthday gifts? Did you have a special birthday dinner or anything like that? Yeah, I had, uh, we had a birthday dinner on Saturday, me and my nephews, because we have a lot of October-born people here. <laughs> and uh, I got a, a Bluetooth hat, like the Bluetooth, um, Bluetooth headphones comes inside the winter hat so that I can keep training in the park because oh, I awesome. do it every day. Yeah, <laughs> I'm happy with that. When I'm you, said that, when you sure. said that, I just had a picture of um, Tim from the office with a radio hat. <laughs> the original <laughs> yeah that's just also did you say Syria might be coming on Netflix 
well, Netflix are rumored to be interested in picking up the rights. Wow. As well as, as, well as Amazon. That's crazy. But, but for, that, for that to happen, they would have to, Sergei so would have to be able to do things the new way, which is to get an American partner on board, an American bank on board, American fund on board, sorry. Right. Um, to, to, you know, that, that negotiates and knows what they're doing because in the, in the Andrea Agnelli's own words this, this, this week, he didn't hold back. He said, uh, I'm already, I'm, I'm all for getting a new partner on board to sell the TV deal. Um, as long as that partner isn't any one of us in Italy who have shown ourselves to be incompetent in that way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, we, we're yeah. like over an hour into this. We didn't really touch on the uh, Juventus Napoli uh, fiasco. Yeah. Weekend. Um, oh, yeah. That's the biggest story this yeah, week for sure. Maybe we'll come back to that. Uh, all right. So that they, is. They uh, haven't made a final decision, have they, on that yet? I don't think so. So maybe by our next, our next recording, we'll have uh, something firm to discuss on that. I'm sure. It's yeah, been- but right now it's looking bad for Napoli with what's coming out today. Um, they, it looks like uh, De Laurentiis has been playing some tricks. So it's it's not it's it's we've got to wait and see. It's definitely the biggest story this week. Yeah, I'm sure it's being litigated as we speak. Um, all right, so that's that's it for our first ever transfer recap. Um, yeah, we'll probably be back with another pod. Uh, maybe next week or later later this week we're in the international break so we'll be uh, struggling to find things to cover but I'm sure we'll think of something Uh, once again thank you for listening we're on all um, standard podcasting platforms by this point Um, so if you like us uh, give us a good rating and thank you again for listening guys have a good night